Good evening, everybody. Welcome once again to Branko Broadcast. It's a pleasure having you all here with us. Tonight we're going to have with us Joe Kolb. He is a mobility teacher, and he's going to be talking to you all about O&M, which everybody knows better as orientation and mobility. Welcome, Joe. Hi there, Bob. How are you? I'm fine. Tell us all about yourself, and then we're going to have people ask you questions. Well, um, briefly, uh, graduated from um, undergraduate school as a psych major, uh, didn't know exactly what I wanted to do upon graduation, which was um, a bit different from some of my friends who were going to medical school and law school and other schools. But um, it took me a couple of years to finally tr literally trip over mobility. I was working at a school for multi-handicapped children on the campus of Boston College um, back in the early 80s. And uh, our class took a little field trip across campus. And we happened to be going through the building of the School of Special Education and Social Work. And in the lobby of that building, there was an advertisement on the bulletin board, a picture of an eye and a question, uh, what is parapatology? And I didn't know what parapatology was. So I went down to the office and inquired. Uh, the next thing I knew, I was watching a mobility lesson at the Perkins School for the Blind and then over at the Carroll Center for the Blind and I thought, oh, what a neat kind of line of work. You know, you get to meet a lot of wonderful people and do something that's important and hopefully important for them. And it's been everything, uh, all that I could ever want, really, um, since then. Um, started working at the Carroll Center in 1983 and been with them ever since. And I should say that... Um, I would, I would want uh, to say that uh, the Carroll Center in no way endorses or proves of or is any way connected with any of the comments that I would make. It's just from my own experience as a mobility instructor. Hopefully we can have a conversation. That's what I'm more interested in. I'm not so much wanting to do all the talking here. I'm, always wanting to find out what other people are experiencing in mobility, particularly people from different parts of the country. Um, so with that as an introduction, um, I thought I might make a, a brief comment to kind of get the conversation started and see where it goes. And, you know, as I was thinking about this conversation, I was reflecting back on when I first came into the field. And it was a time in the early 80s before right-hand turn on red. And when I, when right-hand turn on red finally was let out of Pandora's box, it was a fairly major development in terms of pedestrian safety, especially for cane users and guide dog users. And uh, one of the things I had to do as an instructor, and I'm sure this was the case with my 
colleagues was to adjust some of our street crossing techniques. Uh, because when I went through school, right-hand turn on red was not um, even a thought. And so anyway, um, that was probably the first major development that affected uh, the safety of, of visually impaired travel. Um, and, you know, as you have all experienced, I'm sure, we live in a time where the increased awareness of energy conservation and um, concern about uh, the planet has uh, ushered in uh, a number of developments that have definitely affected your travel. Uh, hybrid vehicles was you know, when the Toyota Prius showed up, that was a big thing. Perhaps people weren't thinking that it was such a big development at the time, but um, a, uh, a hybrid vehicle that was quiet, energy efficient, and very difficult to hear, especially at low speeds. Um, and when I say low speeds, I'm talking about, say, under 20 miles an hour. Those vehicles do not make a sound, um, much like a, a gas combustion engine does, or a diesel for sure. So they're almost stealthy in their, in their movement on the street. And then, you know, we're starting to, we're starting to, um, interact more now with electric vehicles and natural gas buses. Again, these vehicles are quieter than uh, the cars and trucks from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And, of course, now you have um, an even greater push for um, increased use of bicycles, and that's particularly the case here in the Boston area. There are a few cities and towns that have dedicated bicycle lanes uh, that have been designated for their use. And that just adds another element of attention for a cane traveler or a guide dog traveler trying to cross the street. Um, you're not just concerned with... Uh, you know, motorists obeying the traffic uh, lights or the, the, the stop signs, what whatnot. You're also having to deal with bicyclists. Um, and, of course, you have what is now beginning to crash on our shores, driverless or autonomous vehicles. So in the span of uh, 34 to 35 years, I've gone from no right-hand turn on red to cars without people. And that is, you know, as I'm sitting here thinking about that and all the little developments in between, that has definitely had its effect and it's changing the way we have to think about maintaining our safety and perhaps even how we even define what safety is. Um, 
and I suppose as a as a final sort of um, fly in the ointment, you have lots of fully sighted people uh, who are increasingly distracted by cell phones and other things besides. Um, and I think that <clears throat> my own opinion here. I think distraction, especially visual distraction, is a disability that fully sighted people are not aware of. Um, perhaps only the most honest of them would ever admit to it. Uh, but it definitely impacts their behavior while they try to move in the environment. Um, of course, we all hear stories about how you know, fully sighted people walking down the sidewalk looking at their phones and they walk right into a pole. Or even worse, they're getting into accidents while trying to drive a car. So all these things and perhaps others besides are making the environment a very changing, dynamic uh, place with, um, you know, it's a different kettle of fish now, you know, when perhaps if you went to a, a residential school when you were younger, like Marcy, you went to Perkins right. back in the day, and back in the day, there was none of this. And now you're having to negotiate your own hometown uh, with all this stuff uh, flying around you. And so um, I know that it's... Um, it's perhaps somewhat of a different experience in different places in the country, and I'd be interested to hear from people about their experiences and and talk about some of the nuts and bolts of it. So, with that as a little bit of an introduction, I would I would welcome any comment of uh, more conversation. All right, we're going to start off with Joni. How do you unmute your phone, Bob? What's the... Anybody that's not muted, mute with, with four star and unmute with four star. Uh, Joe, I recognize you, Joe McKeezy, so you're going to be number six. Joni, you're first. I came in late, yeah. Okay. Um, it's very nice uh, hearing you speak, Joe. Um, I don't really have uh, any questions. Um, I have never been well i um uh, i have r o p and i when i was younger um i was a fair to midland traveler maybe not that good but i used to get from place to place places that i needed to go but as i've gotten older <clears throat> excuse me and i'm seventy seven now um I don't, well, I use my cane from time to time, but I don't really um, travel by myself. Um, I, I live in an area that's really difficult. <clears throat> excuse me, excuse my voice, I don't know what happened to it. But um, I live in a place that's, pretty hard to get around and uh, so I really don't travel alone and I'm going to have to leave because I have another commitment 
Well, thank you, Joe. You sound very interesting. Thank, thank you, Joni. Joni. All the best. All right. All right. We'll go now to Stephen. Hey, Joe. I think you really outlined the challenges we face. Um, I have a lot of problems with my vision. I've always been legally blind, whatever you want to call it, and my vision has gotten worse. I went to the Carroll Center in 2014 for the residential and the tech program, and I think what really they impressed upon me was you're talking about visual distraction because in my case, I'm, I'm you know, older. I went to Reset Perkins, and I'm ha I've had to learn, you know, the right on red was always an issue, and, it, you know, it still is. Like Julie Boren told me, I had her um, community mobility, that there there's no real such thing as a safe route. There's safer options. And I just was really glad that the Carroll Center made me a lot more confident. Like last week I got off the subway and I was all twisted off and said, oh, we got to cross Huntington Ave. And I'm like, yeah, you, you can look, and if the car's right on you, you'll know. So I really... Yeah, I was nervous, but like I said, I got more more of that confidence. And I think the biggest thing is, you know, you don't want to think you're really bad at mobility because or orientation because then you'll freeze up. But you don't want to be too cocky and say, oh, I'm a really good traveler. I, I, you know, you're always improving. So like I said, I, I just was glad that they impressed upon me the balancing out. Like I said, I can, I can freeze here on Huntington Ave all afternoon. I can be stupid and run across, but my training kicked in, and I really respect. I think that's the most one of the most important O and M is one of the most important things. So that's our gateway to independence, you know. Because I'm, I'm working out in the community, I work for the T as a tester, and I'm always, like I said, I get paid to practice my mobility skills. I think it's awesome, and I really, I really think, like you mentioned about the cars and all that. And what, what really scares me is the other people, like you said, like when a bike's comes right in front of you and it's like they weren't paying attention so it's just a matter of keeping in practice and i know there's some areas where people don't have that independence as far as you know getting out in the community because you know they don't really have public transportation and stuff like that so i i guess i'm biased towards the carroll center and i think you've all done a great job as far as i'm concerned well thanks uh, i appreciate your uh, your experience and a couple of things that I wanted to kind of comment on about what you said. Uh, first of all, you talked about confidence. <clears throat> In mobility, confidence is a very powerful experience. And as anyone is uh, going through instruction, perhaps, where they've had previous training and you're using that training, uh, wherever you go, and you experience the success that comes from uh, using your skills, and, and of course that breeds confidence. To me, that's a game changer. Yeah. You know, without confidence, it's very hard to advance. Um, you know, with your travel skills. Uh, so I think it's incumbent upon the instructor, for sure, to try and instill that sense of confidence. And, you know, once you're confident, you start making different decisions. I remember working with a gal back in the 80s uh, while I was in the residential program at the Carroll Center. She was a – she was from 
the western part of Massachusetts. She worked for an auto dealer as an accountant, <laughs> interestingly enough. <clears throat> and when she first started with me, I asked her to tell me what she was most afraid of in mobility. And, of course, she said, well, gee, I'm afraid of getting hit by a car. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's a pretty common response. Now, she went through her training program with me, and back then it was 16 weeks, um, five hours of mobility per week. Mm-hmm. And you you can accomplish a lot with that kind of time. And not because she was working with me necessarily. I was fairly young instructor at the time, but she got a pretty fair treatment of mobility, and she had no skills, really, when she started. So by the time her program ended, I asked her the same question. What are you afraid of now? And she said, you know, I'm not so much afraid of getting hit by a car now. My real fear is that I don't go out the front door in the morning. So her whole concept of uh, what life meant to her had changed. She 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 was ever willing to want to participate fully uh, in the comings and goings of life for her, and she just wanted to make sure that she got out there and just let her mobility skills kind of take over. Uh, she had certainly gained a measure of confidence, and you know that's um, that's what makes the difference. It 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 allows you to make different decisions than you had in the past. Um, I mean, I've never uh, <laughs> I I could consider it a positive addiction if I could think of it in those terms. It's a very powerful thing to be able to have confidence and and let that confidence express itself. Um, certainly in, in mobility. Um, and I think that, um, you know, your use of your travel skills in the job that you have is a great uh, opportunity to um, utilize uh, what you have and, and and breed more confidence still for yourself while keeping other people in check. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. All right, now we move over to Marcy. All right. Uh, do, do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> no, we can skip me. You want to Matter of fact, let's skip me for now. All right, we'll skip Marcy. We'll go to Lauren. I've been, I've been looking forward to Marcy for all all week here. That's why we're going to wait until the end. <laughs> okay. I'm hey, Lauren, you're up. Okay. Uh, Joe, it's very interesting listening to you, and um, I have to tell you that, well, I'm totally blind now, and I, when I was younger, I had a little bit of vision um, in my left eye, and I didn't really have anything in my right eye. But uh, talking about confidence, that's what I had no confidence in myself, and I was always afraid that I was going to get lost, or I was afraid to be by myself, you know, uh, you know, going out somewhere. And um, when I graduated from high school, I went to the Seeing Eye for my first dog, 
and my instructor told me, he said, he said, if, if I could just give you a shot of confidence, he said, because we can't give it to you. You have to, you have to do it for yourself. And then you have to learn to trust the dog, of course, too. Um, but, uh, once I had the dog, I, I felt better because I had somebody there <laughs> that was working with me. Of course, I had to tell the dog what to do, but, um, the dog was there with me and uh, getting me around obstacles and things. And, um, but I still never liked, you know, uh, traveling by myself. But I, I have learned, um, that I really do know where I'm going and, uh, that the dogs really do, uh, help me. They've, they've, I've had four of them and, uh, and I've also had to use the cane, of course, too. But, um, I, I know that at one time at Seeing Eye, we were at, uh, there were, uh, myself and two other students and the instructor, and we had stopped to have ice cream, and then the instructor said to us, um, okay, now, um, I'm gonna go back to, the, of course, he would be watching us, he, so I'm gonna go back to the van, but I want you guys to go on your own, and I was like, I just sat there and, and he said um, to the other everybody he said do you know where to go and the two people said no and I said yeah you go, you go out this door you turn this way you go up here it's, it's like you do know where you're going <laughs> so I was mm-hmm. the one, and my dog actually was the one that uh, because they told me that they'd be you know right there with me and everything but once we got outside and I started going, the do- my dog took off in front of everybody. Like I know where I'm going, so you know it was a real learning experience. So, but that's what you have to do with the confidence. It's like you just have to, you know, you just have to work at it, and you have to, you know, um, you know, learn how to pay attention and to all things that are going on and. Uh, not to panic. I was always afraid I would panic and then not know what to do. And I've eventually gotten over that, but I still don't like to go by myself. <laughs> well, you know, you touched on a few things there, Lauren. Um, uh, you talked last about panic. And um, one of the – if I was to say uh, – if I was to list a few different qualities of a really good traveler, uh, one of those qualities would be the ability to stay cool, calm, and collected. Mm-hmm. Once you lose that and you drift into panic, um, then all of your problem-solving skills go out the window, and you could find yourself in an unsafe situation. I remember working with a gentleman, <clears throat> this is again back in the 80s, he was traveling along a main street, not far from the Carroll Center. He was traveling under occlusion, uh, which means he was wearing a blindfold and learning some non-visual skills. And he had worked with me on uh, making corrections for veering at driveways. And uh-huh. he... Um, he ended up veering into a driveway, and 
whenever you veer into a driveway, at least when I'm teaching it, and you know that you're not on your sidewalk anymore, it's a stop and think situation. <laughs> not think, not think and move, or walk and move. Yeah. Stop. Marcy has experienced it. <laughs> I remember those days so, well. Yeah. Oh yeah, I have. Yep. You, you have, Marcy. Yes, I have. What about when we were what about when we were walking down the street and I decided, oh, this was uh, the sidewalk, but it was actually where the lip was and it was in the driveway. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, so this gentleman here, um, he just kept walking and touching this guideline and that wall, and he was wandering aimlessly, and then. He felt a touch on his shoulder. There you go. <laughs> and I said, Jamie, stop. And when he stopped and I had my hand on his shoulder, he was in the middle of Center Street with oh, cars passing <gasps> on both sides mm-hmm. of his body. So he was on Center Street? That's, mm-hmm. that's what can happen when oh, yeah. you, you lose your, you sort of lose your cool a little bit. Well and I'm ever uh, an advocate for if you think it's starting to slip away, stop and call a mobility timeout. You know, yeah. it's almost like you're you're the basketball coach, and you're starting to see it slipping away. You have to you have to you know call time and see uh-huh. if you can gather yourself again exactly. and perhaps think through uh, what what's happening and what you might want to do. Um, so staying cool, calm, and collected is really, really important. And you also talked a little bit about fear. And, of oh, course, yeah. fear is a tremendous uh, influence on a person's travel at any yeah. given time, depending upon the travel situation you're in or maybe even something that just comes up randomly that was unexpected. Um, I'm sure each one of you have stories about you were traveling down the road or you were in this bus station or you were waiting for that uh, train, and then all of a sudden something happened that you didn't expect. Mm -hmm. And you had Uh to figure out what you wanted to do. Like here's a classic example. You're on the train. Well, you're on the, yeah, you're on the train, maybe a subway train, and all of a sudden you hear an announcement that says, this train is now express to South Station. Right, well. <laughs> uh-huh. And you yeah. have just learned that it's not going to stop at your stop. Yeah. Sure. So what do you do? And um, Go back, next stop. Yeah, so it's... Um, yeah. Whether it's the fear of crossing a busy street or the fear of dealing with um, uh, a very uh, surprising situation or any number of other things, it's um, the fear of getting lost. That's mm-hmm. one of the most significant fears I think I've observed right. with people, the fear of getting lost. and and not knowing how to kind of get yourself found. Yeah. Um, 
That one sounds familiar, huh? Like that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. We now move on to Jeffrey. <laughs> From Cincinnati. Uh, yeah. How yeah, turn. the hills out there, Jeffrey? What? How are the hills out there? Oh, uh, they're gold that they're there. Okay. <laughs> do, do you live on a hill? I know my Muddy Creek Road. Uh-huh. Do you have a question for our guest? Bob, I have a question. Uh, Okay, it's going to go... Well, as soon as Jeff is done, and I think he is, we're going to go to Joe McKeesey and then you. Joe McKeesey. I just unmuted my line, Bob, so I could uh, talk. Joe and... uh, All right, your turn, Joe, and then it's Jay after you. Yeah, because it was interfering. Yeah. Hi, Joe. Glad to meet you. I'm also visually impaired. I had a dog, but I can't get the cane travel help I need. I have confidence trouble because I'm in. I'm 70. I don't look it, but the commission has me under a different category. I wanted to, you know, they do that to older people. I also mm-hmm. wanted just to touch briefly on the right on red. I don't like that at all. I don't like what they've done to some of our streets. I was in France once, and they do have accessibility to a point there, but they don't go overboard like they do. My God, some of the streets you go down the hill where the curb used to be and you go right out in the street, you have to know to turn right. And sighted people don't understand how to help a blind person with a cane. They say, cross here, or they'll cross right in the middle of the street and turn. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. People don't understand this, and I just wish I could get some more cane travel. Heather, as she mentioned you to me, Heather Panico, she's very nice, but she's not at the Carroll Center and. She, the commissions is very hard to deal with. I like your comments on these things because some of us, like I told Bob Branco, that really need the help. We should be getting it, but we aren't. Amen. Amen. Um, I work mostly. I, would I be I used to have correctly a dog. that you live I, on the North Shore? Yeah, but I used to have a dog before I came here. I've had three dogs, and I know they're much easier. They have problems too, you know. But it's, some things are easier with the dog. You know, overheads, and as long as he doesn't get distracted like Hope mm. Lauren's dog did. And yeah, I live on the North Shore. But I hope to move either to Chelsea or South Boston. Okay. I'm waiting to get out. Um, I would encourage you to um, to connect with your caseworker. Um, perhaps you could let them know that you spoke with me and you're interested in uh, maybe a brush-up. Um I think if you have uh, a local destination, that would help your cause. You know, if you want to get to some place. Not... What do you mean by local destination? Well, you know, if um, if you're wanting to get to a certain bank or store or um, church, whatever, you know, some of the usual places that you might go to, well, I wanted um, to learn to, to use the subways again. I know it's totally different now with the new buses, and I detest those buses, those hard seats. You know what I mean? Those long buses. The, the old buses were great. They should have put wheelchairs on separate buses. I used to sit by the driver and talk, and the inspectors mm-hmm. were there, and the police would help you. You know, But now they stop at strange places like the college where there's no one around. It's just totally off the wall. I'll try that again, but I'm getting nowhere with the caseworkers. I wish that something could be done, and I wanted to go to the Cal Center. But you're not in a refold program, sir. You're only in the, I don't know what they call it. 
And these people don't seem to do it. Community anything. services. Community mobility. Yeah. 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 Whatever they, whatever it is. Who knows? Yeah. Well, I might be able to, um, you know, I might be able to talk to people who are um, involved in programs that perhaps might be a good fit for you. Um, well, maybe we, we could talk that? off the air. Yeah. Can I leave you my number now while you're on the broadcast? I don't mind. Is that okay with you, Bob? Or how do you want me to do that? As long as it's okay with Joe. Yeah, that's fine. Don't give it out. Just don't give it to the world. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) And people on the broadcast, please don't, unless you want to take it off off after, Joe. It's up to you. You know, why don't don't we do that? Um, Perhaps what you could do is you could give it to Bob. Yeah. Bob has it. And then I'll call Bob. um, I already have the number, Joe, so just call me for it. Yeah. Okay, very my, good. You can give him my cell, too, or I'll give him my cell when he calls. I'll give him both. Okay, Bob, great. Thanks. Uh, you're welcome. Jay, you're next. Uh, okay, phone. Joe. Uh, I uh, had you for a mobility instructor Uh-oh. many, many years ago, and you were terrific. <laughs> and you have ability to uh, draw a picture and describe things so detailed and I could make a picture of the whole thing. What you taught me in Coolidge Corner, and I still, even though I don't live there anymore, I moved a little away from it, but I still remember detail. Anytime I go there, it's almost like a back to the territory, you know, so it's on my head. And my question to you is this, how long have you been mobility instructor? Uh, It's been 34 years now. Uh Uh-huh, 34. Did you know a man by the name Jim Acton? Yes, I did. You did. And he mm-hmm. worked at the Carroll Center in the 70s, right? Um, he worked mostly for the Veterans Administration. Right. Um, the last, uh, I think, his last assignment really was um, at the Carroll Center. He worked in the residential program for a few years. Huh? He had left the VA and... Um, yeah, he was a really great guy. Uh, Very good guy. Very I heard talented he passed away, person. right? Yes, he did. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Because he was my very first mobility when I was at the Carroll Center. This is in late 70s, and he was a great guy. Of course, at the time, I couldn't really speak much English. I only know of his first name, Jim. And all these years, I didn't know who he was. I was looking for him. Finally, I discovered that he was Jim Acton. Great guy. Yeah. I was trying to get in touch with his family to tell him that what a nice guy he was. And uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. no avail. Anyway, nice to hear you, Ben. You are great yourself, Joe, so I appreciate it. Well, thanks very much. I was just curious if you had a um, a mobility situation that you wanted to talk about or make a comment on or ask a question about. Uh, yes. Um, my problem with, uh, especially when you come across, let's say, uh, you're passing a, uh, a block, and all of a sudden in that block, there is a gas station. Oh. And that's where you get lost between the sidewalk curves yeah. and the street. So you always yeah. worry, cars coming and going, oh, yeah. and, you know, on both sides, and all of a sudden some car parked, they're getting gas, others try to get in. So that's the time I really am on my toes to see 
which car I'm going to knock over and which one they're going <laughs> to knock me over. So the I, all I think of Joe, I say, remember what Joe told you? Don't worry. You know, they have insurance. Mm-hmm. No, I'm only kidding. Oh, yeah. But, uh, that's my <laughs> yeah, There you go. <laughs> Don't worry. Be happy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> all right. Yeah, we we have two additional. Oh, you all set, Jay? Did you have another question? No, no. That was it. Thank you. All right. Uh, we have, according to my calculations, two additional check-ins that I haven't talked to yet. So this is your chance to ask Joe a question. Hi. Brian Capola, you're next. Yes. Hi, Joe. Hello, Brian. How are you? First of all, I'm doing okay for an old-timer. How about yourself? Lord, I know I had you when I um, volunteered at Mass Ionia, and you taught me um, the mobility around that area. Yeah. I have a a question and a comment to make, okay? Okay, yep. First is the question. Are you a fan of, like, let's say for someone who is deafblind or heart of hearing electronic mobility devices like the ones that, like, you wear on the, like, you wear on your arm or wrist or something to vibrate to let the deafblind person know they're getting closer to objects and drop off? Okay, let me hear your comment, and then I'll answer your question. Okay, the comment is good. I heard an electronic mobility device from my physical, uh, from my occupational therapist, Chris Walter, okay? And Mm -hmm. he keeps telling me the name of it, only I keep forgetting the... uh, of it, but it's a brown wristband that you wear on your wrist, okay? And when you get near an object, it is supposed to um, emit a vibration letting you know that you're near an object to avoid the object. Yep. Um, I like to know what it's called and where you can get it for trying it out. Brian, I would have to um, – I, I, I have actually tried that device, and I have a student who is for the beta tester for the company that's trying to bring that device to market. You have a um, I, I have a I have a client of mine, another student, who is a tester of that device with the company mm-hmm. that is trying to – you know, bring it to market. You know, I'm drawing a blank on the name of it, but I can get it for you. Um, yes. I can, but, I but guess I, I would have to. Please bought my number. Sure thing. Okay. Very, very good. Mm-hmm. Yep, that would be fine. Good to hear you. Yes. Now, there was another point I needed to make. Okay. And that has to do with um, and that has to do with um, grocery shopping. Yes, 
when I was in Perkins, we learned some of how to do our grocery shopping. But yet, we took a cab. We never learned how to do it using public transportation. I did. Now, I and our friends, I and one of my friends have went out uh, over the years and gotten one of those you know those portable shopping carts that, like, the elderly people would use to bring home groceries on public transportation? Yes. That's what I'm using now. However, here is the thing, okay? Here is the thing. It is great and all that good that they have it, that you can do that. Push the cart in one hand, the cane in the other hand. The thing I think we need to do, okay, with that kind of thing, the reason I'm bringing this up is because taxis are very expensive. And, okay, which makes it unrealistic for a blind person to use a cab all the time. So, therefore... We need to figure out some way to, for the blind to get those shopping carts deemed some kind of mobility device for the blind. That's like interesting a, idea. What'd you say? A very interesting idea, Brian. You know, thank you very much. I'd like to um, talk with you more about that. Yeah, I know. I have the I have the idea in my mind, but you know, if somebody were to work with me on it, they'd have to swear with me. They have to swear to secrecy with me because I have the idea of what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. Well, you know, over the years, I've had the good fortune of consulting with a couple of area colleges that are interested in developing um, ideas like this. Uh, Yeah. Um, Certainly MIT uh, usually has a student group that's interested in um, creating a device that may have some value for a person with a vision impairment and perhaps even a hearing impairment. there's also Olin College out in Wellesley uh, yeah. that has that kind of interest as well. Um, yeah. And I've connected a few different people over the years with those two places. So you never know. You might you might find an interested group of young, very bright and um, entrepreneurial nephew, people. My nephew is studying programming. He and I are in the process of talking Boxing up some ideas too. Well, there you go. He would be able to do the programming, and I would be able to, you know, brainstorm the ideas of what I'm talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, who would ever have realized that Velcro would be such a hit? Mm-hmm. How about that? Right. Can you mm-hmm. imagine being the inventor of Velcro? Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. I know. <laughs> Who would ever realize that even with accessible prescription labeling, that script talk would end up being one of the best? Yes. Good, good point. Very good point. 
Yeah. And, I think and we have perhaps, one more check-in that I haven't spoken to yet. Okay, yeah, Bob. Bob. Yes. Uh, Bob, this is Don. Don, you're up. Uh, yeah, hi. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I came in uh, pretty late, uh, I, uh, but uh, I couldn't be on time today. Uh, your guest name is Joe, uh, is that right? That's, That's correct. correct, Don. Uh, yeah, hi, uh, Joe. Uh, this is Don. Uh, I live in Worcester, Mass. Uh, yeah, and after I graduated from Perkins, uh, I, know, I never had you but as an instructor, but I had an instructor uh, that has to be one of the best. Uh, you probably know him. Peter Waterfield. Uh, Peter Waterfield. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, no, I know he is. Uh, he's been retired now, uh, uh, but uh, for quite a few years. Uh, do you know Joe? Uh, is he still living? Oh yeah. Yeah, he's retired and he's um, enjoying his retirement. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Is he yep. still? Uh, yeah. Is he still living out in Framingham? No, no, he's not in Framingham anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah, he used to live out there. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he he moved. He's he's um he's uh, a little, living a little closer to his mother now. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, he was. Uh, Peter was one of those guys uh, that uh, uh, he made you feel like uh, he was a personal friend, uh, and he uh, he had that way about him uh, that you could learn. Uh, quite easily from him, and uh, uh, yeah, I know that he worked out of the Carroll Center uh, as well. Yes, in fact, he uh, he retired from the Carroll Center after 43 years of teaching. Wow, 43 full-time. years! Wow. And Peter, yeah. uh, for those of you who may not know, Peter Waterfield covered from Framingham West to the New York border, which wow. is a Huge, wow. huge yeah. territory. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just well, I one live in Worcester. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, well, I live in Worcester, so he covered me. Good. Uh, yeah, he was a uh, fantastic teacher. Yeah. Yeah. You, you always remember some of your um, uh, more memorable instructors, whether it was yep. in school or mobility instructor and... People who had a real influence on your life. You know? uh, yeah, yeah. And and Peter, Peter was uh, what what I would call a game changer instructor. You know, he could really uh, yeah. help turn your life around if you really bought into uh, what he was teaching you. Oh, yeah. Very, very talented guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. He had that personality about him. Yeah. In fact, yeah, okay, I was, thank uh, you. Oh, you're welcome, Don. Good to good to talk with you. All the best. Uh, uh, yeah, thank See, you. Any other new check-ins? Well, you, <clears throat> I'm here, Cleora. Cleora, you're next. Um, I got in late, unfortunately, so I didn't hear the beginning. Um, are you sighted, Joe? I am. And yourself? Uh, partially. And where are you from? I'm in Fort Worth. Okay. 
Everything okay down there? Oh, man. (laughs) I have an intersection uh, down from me. Um, The post office and the grocery store are, you know, in walking distance. But I have an intersection. I can't remember whether it's the northbound or southbound that goes first. But um, one side goes first. The turn line, the left turn and the straight traffic goes first. And then the other side, uh, we'll, we'll say the, south, the northbound goes first. And then after they've gone, well, then the southbound goes. Same thing. Uh, left turn and, uh, you know, everybody goes. Left turn, right turn, straight ahead, all go together. And then the east and westbound traffic are normal. You know, first you have your turn lane, your left turn lane gets to go, and then both sides of the traffic get to go. Now, coming up in uh, a couple of weeks, I have um, a new trainer. My first two or three trainers that worked with me on mobility I learned pretty much nothing, you know, the, other than I learned nothing. Uh, this, uh, this, this fellow is totally blind, has been all of his life. I'm told that he is a wonderful mobility instructor. Um, I'm wondering, um, you know, I, I have confidence in him. I, I, in fact, I asked for him. But I'm just curious about how he would go about, um, is it possible to negotiate that kind of intersection? There's three lanes on each side plus the median, you know, and, and turn lanes. Mm. Is there any way you think that there is to get across that street if you can't see? Well, <clears throat> that's probably a multi-part answer to a a big question. Um, I think one of the more important things that a person, a traveler, needs to learn is uh, what's called unfamiliar intersection analysis. And when you're analyzing an intersection, you're, of course, listening to it as best you can from the corner that you're standing on uh, with the understanding that what you can hear from one corner, you may not be able to hear at another corner. And so when you're just analyzing an intersection from one corner, you're not really getting as full an appreciation or picture of it as you, as you would like. But that said, um, you're wanting to find out in a, in a, after sort of compiling as much information as possible, whether or not um, this intersection is bigger and badder than your skills. Uh, yeah. You, know, um, <laughs> you you always want to respect your limits. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's um, I don't know if there are possible pedestrians available at that intersection for sighted existence or not. There is um, a, um, now that you mention it, there is a light, I believe, that you can push. Uh, um, but I don't know exactly what that does to the intersection. 
to analyze those okay. obstacles. Uh, yeah. Sometimes traffic wow. lights have um, accessible pedestrian signal devices um, working yeah. uh, at the intersection, and your instructor would probably um, be very helpful to you if he or she was to um, assist you with knowing that and perhaps how to use it if there is one. Um, just my listening to your description, I don't know enough of the details to really say anything specific other than, you know, you're, you're trying to determine if you have uh, enough of a clear opportunity to make an independent street crossing. Um, I sort of think of baseball, if I could use baseball as an analogy. You know, when you're at an intersection, um, perhaps even it's an intersection that you, you're you used to crossing at. You know, it's not terribly difficult. But um, when you're standing there at a street corner and you're, you're hearing kind of a, a strange cacophony of sounds going through there and everywhere, Mm -hmm. um, that's almost like a pitcher throwing a pitch to a batter, and the pitch is not down the strike zone. You know, it's it's low and outside, or it's mm -hmm. not something something the batter wants to take a swing at. And the same thing is true, I think, at street crossing. Some um, traffic movement situations are they're not clear cut. Um, perhaps mm -hmm. there's some loud traffic in the area that wants to make it harder for you to hear what you usually listen for. Mm -hmm. And so you're having to factor in uh, certain pieces of information that you might not be able to hear. And if you don't have the confidence mm -hmm. to, to make an independent crossing decision, you know, when in doubt, chicken out. That's for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you you wait for a better pitch, right? You wait for a better situation. You know, um, perhaps one that's a bit more clear to you. Um, I always am a believer in patience is a virtue, even oh, on a street thanks. corner. And so, if you're patient, and I'm not saying you wait a half an hour there to make mm -hmm. a crossing, mm -hmm. but Perhaps the next cycle will offer you an easier listening opportunity to make an easier decision. I appreciate you telling me that. I guess I did the right thing because I'd rather yeah, get hit by a baseball than a car. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Any other new check-ins? Okay. I have a question for you um, and a concern before I turn it over to Marcy. Uh, Joe. Back in June, my class had their 40th reunion, and on the Friday night, we went over to a restaurant at Watertown Square. Now, I noticed something very interesting when I was crossing the streets at Watertown Square. First of all, the audible traffic signals were chirping birds. Well, guess what we heard overhead? Real chirping birds. Don't you, don't you think that's confusing? As a matter of fact, Bob, is this Bob? Yeah. Okay. Bob, um, I, I had a client once in Arlington, which mm -hmm. is just a little north of Watertown. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we were 
working at a traffic light at uh, an intersection of two major streets. And Arlington, besides Watertown, was one of the first communities to be testing uh, accessible pedestrian signals. Mm-hmm. And back then, there were only two sounds. There was the bird chirp and the cuckoo. Mm-hmm. And my student was standing on the corner, and he started making a crossing at a very bad time. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. And he started because he heard a bird chirping, a real bird, and he thought it was the accessible pedestrian signal. I read so my I case. Had, yeah. I had to intervene in that crossing, um, and it sounded so real. I mean, the, the, the real bird sounded like the, the pedestrian signal device, and it was, it was almost too coincidental. I mean, um, mm. yeah. <laughs> But now, but well, I mean, I noticed that at the square, and I got very concerned. Is there anything that anybody can do? I mean, don't these manufacturers of audible signals understand the confusion? I mean, I was concerned. I was scared. Couldn't believe it. Well, you know, um, there are different manufacturers of these devices, whether they're domestic or foreign. Um, some of the some of the devices are just a um, some sort of a signalized sound. Uh, now I'm hearing more uh, rat-a-tat-tat. I like the old bells. It's like yeah. a drum roll. What was wrong with the old bells and buzzers from back then? Those were well, good thought. enough. I mean, why, why confuse the issue? Ah. Then there are then there are devices that actually provide you with a message. You know, the walk light is on to cross Mount Auburn. Oh yeah, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, that was better. Wait, wait. I like I like teasing it. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so it sort of depends, Bob, on what device the city or town <clears throat> decides to purchase and install. But they shouldn't make one that blends in with the environment. That defeats the purpose. I would agree with you. Mm-hmm. I would agree with you 100%. Something I just Thanks. thought of when you brought that up, you know, many birds gonna... can learn to mimic sounds, so whatever sound you pick, you may find a bird nearby that will yeah that sound. Yeah, but a bird, a bird won't mimic a bell. Not, oh, not yeah. as accurately as with another not. bird. <laughs> yeah, right. Or another right. bird noise. <laughs> uh, Marcy, did you want to ask Joe something before we conclude, now that we're at the end? Well, I thought Joe was going to, the way he was talking, I thought he was going to ask me a question. <laughs> oh, well, he hasn't yet. No, I mean, to, to you. Um, let's see. Well, I think the best thing is, um, Lisa told me to, I went to the ball game. And I took the D-line, and she told me to go to Chestnut Hill and get off of Chestnut Hill. And I had no clue that you had to go to Reservoir, and Reservoir, you're supposed to take the bus to Chestnut mm. Hill. Because of the con- construction, right? Cause of, yeah, because of the construction. So... I mean, I could have gotten off at the at, uh, at the hills and waited there. And 
why I was waiting why I was waiting to go to the D line, I asked which side and the guy pointed that away and I go, Yeah, that away which way? I can't see. Because mm-hmm. the sun's out. Yeah. So whenever you're dealing with um sighted people and they're talking in visual terms, like it's over yep. there or yeah. that mm-hmm. way or you just come with me or oh, no. you know what Oh yeah, he pulled me across all right. <laughs> You're having to try and get them to put them into your shoes and to use very precise directions. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. probably have lots of experience with this, Marcy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, your your example of having to take a, a shuttle bus from Reservoir Station to Chestnut Hill Station is just another example of what happens as a surprise yeah. You, know, you didn't know about it, and you had to deal with it right then and there in real time. Oh, no, I made Lisa come get me. <laughs> oh, well, that, that's always an option. Bail me out. That's perfect. And then then he, she pulls into the circle there where the buses are, and they go, you can't do that. And she honks the horn, and I'm looking for her. And the guy sees the cane, and he goes, oh, I'll let it go this time, but don't do it again. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not coming here again. <laughs> it's a very hospitable area, that Chestnut Hill area, huh? Yeah. So we should pick me up at Reservoir, but it's too it's too uh yeah. too congested. It's it's worse than uh getting out of a ballpark. Wow. <laughs> yeah, some of those you know, our time is up. Uh, yeah. But I do want to thank you very much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk to us here tonight. We appreciate it. Uh, we've learned quite a lot from you. Well, Bob, thank you all. Um, I appreciated the chance to, to talk with uh, some folks from all over the country, really. And uh, Kind of. <laughs> I hope that... Um, I, I, I hope that uh, as you're either getting instruction or you know, just out and about and traveling, you know, in your everyday, uh, you know, work-a-day, walk-a-day lives that, um, you know, you can <clears throat> keep your safety uppermost in mind. And mm-hmm. and um, Bob does know my phone number, so if, if anyone wants to offer a call to me. Do you have an email? Like, I'd like to share a few things with you by email if- does Bob have your yes, email? Yes, I do. Uh, yeah, I got Bob it. Has that as well. oh, okay, I'll, I'll talk. I have yeah. to go, but can Bob give your phone number to any of us? It's Joe, and he can give you mine. Can he give us your phone number? Sure. Joe, uh, Joe Cole, you can call me, and I'll give you Joe's number at some point. Yeah, I'll be and in touch. Bob, Joe just said uh, you can give us his number because we may want to call him at some point, too. That's Very well. Thank you, everyone. You have a great evening. Thanks, Joe.